0: Rutherford Issues on News Radio WGNS. All right, I think we have the audio issues fixed now. Good morning. How are both of you doing today? Good
1: morning.
0: The Child Advocacy Center here in Rutherford County and also serving Cannon County has done so much good for the community over the years. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis.
1: Well, we do a number of things. We um, provide forensic interviews for children who have been sexually and or severely physically abused. We have our bilingual services program. Um, Our bilingual services coordinator works with those families um, that are Spanish speaking. We also have the drug endangered Children's Services program, which is my program. I work with families who have been affected by alcohol and or substance abuse, providing in home counseling services. We also have the darkness to light um, trainings that we offer. And so we have a lot of things going on at the CAC.
0: Tara Davis with us this morning. Now, the Drug Endangered Children's Service Program, what does that involve? Do you visit homes on a regular basis? And uh, is, that, is that where you first learn that drugs or alcohol are being abused in that house? Well,
1: I work very closely with Department of Children's Services and a lot of uh, the families that I work with, um, I receive referrals from Department of Children's Services. And so I go out and work with those families and I do provide in-home counseling services. So I am in the home quite often. I work with the families on basic life skills such as budgeting, communication parenting skills it just depends on what the needs of the family is and i also help connect them to resources in the community Um, quite a few of my clients are grandparents who are raising their grandchildren and so they are on a fixed income so if they need assistance with rent or paying a utility bill i'm able to link them up with resources such as community helpers uh, and the Cumberland Action Agency to help them get assistance getting those uh, bills paid.
0: So, Tara, um, Tara, I'm I'm curious when you come across a household where drugs are being used, uh, illegal drugs are being used. How do you how do you confront that parent? Because that would be, well, potentially a hostile situation.
1: Well, usually once I enter into the home, Department of Children's Services or law enforcement has already been out and they have done that portion of the investigation or has um, handled that situation and so by the time i come into the home that parent is usually um has gotten uh resources for treatment and they are needing that aftercare following treatment so that's when i come in to make sure that the parent is working their safety plan and making sure that they're staying on track with their treatment so that it does not happen again.
0: And how many success stories do you run across? How often are people able to actually get the help they need and, and actually recover?
1: I have quite a few. I have some families that love me so much. I've been working with them for the last two years, and I have quite a few families that have done great Um Some families started off, they were homeless and living out of a hotel, and now they have their own home. Um, So I do have those wonderful happy endings. um, And a few that I lose touch with that um, go back to their old ways, but I do let the families know that I am there for them anytime they need the support. They're more than welcome to call me. And I'll be happy to come out
0: and visit with them and talk to them. Also with us this morning is Jessica Wildcheck. And Jessica, uh, tell us a little bit about the Darkness to Light program and how people can get involved with that.
2: Yes, yeah, so the Darkness to Light program is a prevention program for um, with showing you the five steps on how to prevent child abuse child sexual abuse for your children or any children um, that you're around and this is a a nationwide curriculum and we are fortunate enough to have grant funding to actually do this training for free for our community and we just want anybody to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, Usually when you go to the darkness of light um, website the training is usually ten dollars Um, And so the fact that we could provide it for free, you know, because of our partners um, is a great resource. And um, we now with COVID, and you know, we had to um, actually change the way we do things. Um, There's a lot of places where we can't do in-person training. However, we do do the virtual training. We are facilitators um certified facilitators to do it virtually and we do zoom classes all the time Um, we do them for mtsu we do them for law enforcement we do them for daycares and if you're interested in attending one of these zoom trainings um you can visit us on our website at cicrutherford.org and then just click the d2l and you could put in your information there or you could just email me directly um, and I could give you my email if you could post it on later, but it's jwachak at
0: So is this a program that all teachers eventually go through, they take? Uh, because it seems like it'd be a great tool for educators.
2: Yes, it is, and when we first started in 2012, that's what we started out with. We wanted to train all of our professionals first, which is our teachers, our guidance counselors, um, our law enforcement. DCS all these people who have gone through our, the training and they have done it annually you know just as a refresher um, but when the CAC geared it up back in 2012 that's the first the first people that we actually trained and we do have a couple of authorized uh, facilitators in Murfreesboro City Schools and um, we have some counselors in Rutherford County um, school systems as well
0: Jessica Wild So they have all been trained. And uh, Tara Davis with us this morning with the Child Advocacy Center. What a positive program though, the Darkness to Light program, uh, especially for those who are in contact with children on a regular basis. You know, Sunday school teachers, educators who are in our school system. There's so many people who would really they need, they need to take this program.
2: Yes, and it's very beneficial. I, I know that when I first took it, I became an authorized facilitator back, I think it was in 2013. And um, I actually could facilitate in Spanish as well, but it changed the way I parent. And the way I parent my children, It, it the way that I speak to my children, it has complete, it was a an eye opener. And um, even if you don't have children, you could just work at a Sunday school class in the morning. This is a great, a great program for you because you know, sometimes you'd be like, you know what, you're right. Maybe I should talk to that kid a little bit more. Maybe, maybe, maybe I should say this to somebody else. It, it, it'll make you think of, of different instances that's happened. You know, the statistic is one in ten children before eight before their 18th birthday. You know, one in ten children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. So you will come across a child that could be a potential victim.
1: That,
0: so, so any scary. way that
2: you could help them and protect them, they'll be. They'll
0: be best. It's so scary to imagine one in 10 children. I mean, if you you know, look at your kid, your own kid's friends and you say, mm-hmm. all right, one out of 10 of their friends is going to be sexually abused, those are scary numbers.
2: Yeah, they are. You know, and the way when we start up a, um, a, a training, you know, think about your classroom. You know, you have t- typically about 20 children to a classroom, so you potentially have two children in that class. You know there are potential victims, so it, I'm telling you, it's just an eye opener. It's it's not, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. You know, it tells you what you need to know.
0: Recognizing, it's a really great training. recognizing a child who has been sexually abused is so important to be able to do because you're able to intervene while that child is still young to hopefully get that child help, and not only exactly. get the child help but find the person who did it.
2: Yes, exactly. And then potentially, you know, stopping any further victims from that perpetrator. You know, a perpetrator can have thousands of victims in a lifetime.
0: That That is, I mean, when you say thousands of victims, that's really scary to think about, but it's, it's so true. And, you know, when you look at statistics and you look at those who have been arrested for sex offenses against children, the records show that very few who have abused children that way ever get the proper—I don't know what recovery help, what whatever word you want to use—but they usually they abuse over and over and over again.
2: Right, you know. So I think that's the the nice thing about the CAC, because um, when we get a referral of through Department of Children Services for you know uh, allegation of sexual abuse. When that child comes to the CAC, they feel safe because we try to provide them a safe environment and we try to provide that family a safe environment. Before CAC models, they used to go to the police station, you know, and what does a perpetrator tell a child? You know, you can't say anything, you're going to get in trouble. So where do the bad guys go? People that go in trouble, they go to jail, don't they? They go to the police station. So. They, they, they're not gonna say what actually happened to them. So when the CAC model began nationwide, um, that, that, that's what broke, you know, is the fact that the child could feel safe and knows that they're going to be safe. so they, we would treat it as like a regular doctor's appointment, you know, and they get to express themselves, tell the story as long as they need to take, they will take, you know, and it's being recorded. But the nice thing about the CAC is that we're there for that family as long as they need it we don't close a case you know i know that you know state departments and law enforcement they usually have to have you know a certain amount of days before they close it solve it done next person you know not us we have been working with we've been open for 20 years and we've had families calls back within those 20 years you know and maybe within two years gap so it's nice that we don't close out their case that they could just keep calling us you know because they could wake up in the middle of the night and have nightmares and we don't know what's going on, you know, so we can provide them with that resources and sometimes just the ear to listen to, you know, remind you, that remind that parent isn't, it wasn't their fault. You know what I'm saying? Remind that child it wasn't their fault, you know? So it's, 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 it's refreshing for to have an agency like that for parents, a resource like that for parents that they could just call anytime and not need to have an open case.
0: You know, working in the news business at the radio station over the years, I, I have run across cases when when we were doing stories on, uh, let's say, a, a child was raped. I've run across cases where a parent would say, well, we are not going to come forward to press charges. We're not going to come forward with the case because I don't want to put my child uh, in the in, in the, or rather on the stand to live through everything all over again and I'm thinking that's the worst thing you could ever do you you need to move forward with the case you need to report it to police right away because that's part of the process of healing right so what, what would you say to parents out there who know for a fact their child was sexually abused but they haven't done anything with it yet because there are so many cases out there like that
1: um i would just tell that parent to not be afraid that there is support and that's what we do at the cac we support not only the child but the parent the family as a whole we work very closely with department of children's services we work very closely with law enforcement as well as the assistant district attorney's office so there is going to be someone there that will be able to answer their questions They won't have to go through it alone. And that's why we record the forensic interviews so that the child doesn't have to keep repeating and telling that story over and over again. And with the help of law enforcement and the assistant district attorney office, um, we're able to kind of ease that fear and be that support system for the family during that time to let them know that they're not alone And that they will um, get through this, and we're also able to provide those resources for counseling, um, as well as support groups. So,
0: with us this morning. I also wanted to add. I'm sorry. Yeah, go. I'm just going to say Tara Davis and Jessica Walcheck with the Child Advocacy Center. Jessica, what were we going to say?
2: I was just going to say also that we in the state of Tennessee, we it's also. Um, a law. We are all mandatory child abuse reporters. So if that, let's say that parent does not want to, you know, go ahead and put in that case or or refer that case or call DCS or report it, um, they could also be liable and look up to legal troubles because we are, like I said, we are all mandatory. So if I knowingly know that my neighbor is being, Sexually abused or being physically abused, and do not make that report. I could also be liable. So that is a state law. So that is also very important. That's also covered in our in our darkness to light um, training. But um, how to report and doing and and also just by having a suspicion, you're not going to hurt that child. You're not going to hurt that family. You know, things rule out. We have very professional people and capable people. Um, to detect when there is a lie and when there isn't. Um, they could try to um, wean out false accusations. You know, they they, they always um, do that on the front end. So I, I encourage everybody, even with a suspicion, just go ahead and report. Um, especially now with the quarantine, with COVID, there are so many children home with their perpetrators that we don't know of.
0: Very okay? good point. Um,
2: we, uh When we started back when they opened up after Memorial Day, um, and we had a spike in child abuse. Child abuse reports went down while the the quarantine was going. And then after Memorial Day, when everything started opening up, some childcare centers started opening up, we started getting a lot of referrals. Our numbers got up. Back in August, when the schools went back in, they also spiked up. We were seeing like almost like four to five children a day for five days, for the whole week. OK, and now with what's going on now with us being such with high numbers and the schools going possibly to hybrid, you know, so we're going to see that spike again. So if if you see anything and, and and just to make a note, the funniest thing during the quarantine, we they noticed that most of the referrals were coming from delivery um, Delivery workers, uh, the FedEx guy, UPS guys, you, people that would come up to the front door and hear things and see things. They actually made the referrals. So just think about how weird that is. So if you know anything, you should report. And there is an um, a 800 number. It's 877-237-0004. And it's toll-free. It's 24 hours. I don't think it was affected by the at and Outage, um, So you could make that referral, you know, and they could come out, they investigate it. And if it's nothing, it's nothing. Yeah. You know, but yeah. if it's something, you just probably saved that child's life.
0: You know, I, I love how these delivery men and women out there were the ones who were basically on the front line reporting. It was amazing. It, it was so cool. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that's opened the eyes of some of these companies out there who are now teaching or, you know, with, with your help, the Darkness to Light program.
2: So I, it's, it's, I encourage anybody just to either email me, visit our website. You can send me an email through there, um, and we will do it virtually. We do it to two people. We do it for a group of 50. It doesn't matter. We just want the message out.
0: Now, I wanted to go back to something you said about how, you know, you're required by law. If you know something, if you suspect a child being sexually abused, you've got to report it. But you can also go about reporting it anonymously which something that that's something yes. i don't think many people realize you are completely no. anonymous if you want to yes. be when you report it
2: yes um they ask you right tara can yes. you can you help me with that
1: yes yeah, so when you call in they will ask you if you want to provide your information and if you do provide your information your information is confidential uh, but you do have the right to remain anonymous Um, So you don't even have to provide your name or any of your information as long as you give them the details, the child's name, if you know their address, their age, um, anyone else living in the home and what's going on uh, with that information, they can get it out to the um, DCS uh, County office and they can go out and investigate and check in and make sure that that child is okay.
0: Now, can the person who reports the crime, can they follow up with DCS to make sure that something was done, that the case was investigated? Can they follow up to get information?
1: Um, They do have an option where they can provide an email address, and once they provide that email address, they can receive an email letting them know uh, the status of the report that they made. So that is an option where they can um, do that. Um, that can also get the report number once they make the report. And Department of Children's Services has a website that with that report number, you can go and track the status of that report as well.
0: Now, also, I wanted to touch base on something that Jessica said earlier, and and that is the fact that so many of these who abuse children sexually, they they don't have just one victim. They've, They've got hundreds, sometimes thousands of victims, which is, which is something that folks out there listening need to remember because when they report it in regards to one child, there's probably a lot of other children as well who are victims. Exactly. How do we go about, uh, first of all, I know you said we can go online to DCS to make a report, but how do we go about, once we find out, What what is the first thing I guess I'm asking, what is the first thing we should do once we figure out that somebody is being abused
2: well they can get as much information as you have um whether their age if you have their name um their address sometimes i know that i didn't i made a report for a child i didn't know where they lived i just know that where the school was and I know what they said to my son. So I made the referral just with that little information, his name and whatever the school was. So as much information you could gather before you make that phone call or go online, um, would be helpful, any information you could give them. Um, and like I said, like we said before, you could do it anonymously but, um, or provide information, but if you don't have a, a little bit of information for them to go on, just gather all your
0: information. I mean, the bottom line is you want to make sure that authorities can follow up on the case exactly. And find that child to talk to that child.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So anyway, you know, so like, I know that like, for instance, my example, you know, I didn't know where he lived. I didn't know, um, anything. I just knew it was within his classroom and what that kid said. And I just knew his age and the school. And with that bit of information, hopefully, you know, I think they did investigate it because, um, like Tara says, they could do give you a report number, but as long as you report it, you know, you. you it's, it's, it was more for me. I'm like, okay, I did the right thing. I reported it, and hopefully it turns out to be nothing, you know, because I don't want to wish any harm to that child, but, you know, it's on their hands now, but um, just gather all the information that you have.
0: You know, and that may sound like that's not much information, but you are able to tell authorities you know it's in this classroom at this school the child is this age you know if they only have a first name they're still able to find that child to ask you know what's going on because of the classroom the school and all that so that that's really that's big stuff right there
2: exactly exactly and and like i said we have very capable people we have very smart capable well-trained individuals that investigate this crime um we, you know, just our forensic interviews alone, you know, they've, they've gone to over 80 hours and continuous training hours, you know, just to keep up with the new line of questioning, you know, that is um, good in court, you know, because the last thing you wanna do is get anything thrown out in court, you know? So we just, we, we have very, very well-trained individuals doing this job.
0: As we close this morning, how can somebody learn more about the darkness to light program and how can they get it in their church, in their school? How can they get the class, get the program taught to them?
2: Well, like I said before, they can visit our website at cacrutherford.org. There is a link there that says D2L, and you could just request a training. There's a form there where you put your name and your address, and it comes directly to me. Or you can email me directly, um, J J Wachek, J-W-A-U-C-H-E-K at cacrutherford.org.
0: Sounds good. Thank you both for joining us this morning.
2: Thank you so much
1: for your time. Thank you.
0: Time right now 10:52. We have more news and information coming your way next on Rutherford issues. Rutherford issues on News Radio WGNs.